there's Cliff. At one wedding, Cliff and I were sitting at a table during the reception, and they served us water, and we were like, man, this just didn't right. So we, we were like, in Jesus' name, wine in Jesus' name. We tried that for about 30 seconds. It just didn't work. But <clears throat> one day, Cliff and I will be more anointed, and we're, we're going we're gonna to help the Lord. We're not going to help the Lord. We're going to partner with the Lord. Um, if you want to, open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is week number five in a continuing conversation that we've been having here at the Vineyard. And um, sort of the genesis for the conversation, we'll start with the genesis of the conversation first. Sort of the, the genesis for this conversation is, is a scripture in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. It's verse 26, and Paul writes this. He says, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone... Has a, has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And this is something that the Lord just kind of put in my heart about seven or eight weeks ago. And in doing so, uh, one of the things the Lord communicated to me was, He was like, hey Adam, this is, this is a picture of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. Adam, this is a picture of the church. It's one, of those, it's one of those pieces of scripture that you just, you just kind of pass over. You're reading chapter 14, you just kind of blast right through it and you go right on past it. And you miss the revelation that's in it that's from the Holy Spirit. And the revelation is this, that when we gather, it's about one main thing. It's about what everyone brings. When you get together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Church is a lot of things, but one of the main things that church is, is the place where everyone comes to play. Amen? And um, I would also like to say this. Paul is not, not saying these are the five things that you have to do to have a successful church. He's not saying take these five ingredients, put them in a bowl, and put them in one after another. Put them in the right order, and when you get to ingredient number five, then you've had church. He's not saying that. He's just riffing, kind of like Glenn did when he's playing those cool guitar sounds. He's just riffing, and what he's getting to is that when you come together, everybody has something, and it's about what everyone gives to everyone else. That's, what, that's one of the main ingredients that makes church, church. It's about what do we bring. It's not just about what we take. And, I'm, and I highlight this, and, and I've really been pounding on it for the last five weeks for one main reason. Because we live in a consumerist society where the chief end of man is to consume, to absorb, to eat, to gather, to fill up my barn, to make my house more glorious with more stuff let's fill up our stuff with stuff and then after we fill our stuff up with stuff let's put it in the closet and buy new stuff you know that's what we do we're americans there's there's a reason that walmart is the most successful company on the face of the planet it's because we live in a consumerist society and consumerist society consumerist ideology tells everyone this and it's told everyone sitting in the room me included it's told everybody here the chief end of your life is to get more stuff. Whatever you do, get more stuff. Work hard. Why do you work hard? You work hard so you can have more stuff. And you get your stuff and you're going to pack it in more stuff and you're going to put it in a closet with all the other stuff that you don't like anymore. That's the chief end of man in America. But that's not the way it is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's about what can I come to bring? What can I come to give? What, how can I come and serve? See, in America, the consumer society tells us things like this. It actually affects the way that we even pick churches. See, we pick churches like we pick country clubs, you know? We want the one with the most prestige. We, we, we pick churches the way we pick restaurants. 
We want the church that caters to my needs the best. My needs. You don't understand. I've got needs. I'm a man with needs. My family has needs. And we pick churches the way that we shop on eBay. And the reason we shop on eBay is because we want something cheap. And we define cheap as getting what I want and not having to pay much money. That hits a little hard if you think about it. Bam. Ooh. But that's actually the exact opposite of what it means to be church in the New Testament. It's here in 1426, but it's, it's actually not just in 1426. This wasn't, this wasn't a, an illuminescent moment, a flash in the pan in the New Testament. This is actually a running theme all through the New Testament, and it goes like this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it, there's, a little, there's a little picture of the church. Oh, they have it up for me. Here we go. Let's read this together. And I want you to notice, notice just the essence of what the church was like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Look at this, verse 44. And they were all together, and everyone ha- had everything in common. They sold all their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What's the point? The point is this, that one of the essential ingredients, part of the essence, like if you were to, if you were to take a, if you were to take a what, is the, what is that thing called, Heather? No, the, the, the thing you use in the kitchen. The pl- plane? What is that? A microplane. If you were to take a microplane and, and you, were to, you were to scrape it across the church like you would a lemon or a lime, the zest that falls on the bottom would be generosity and it would be giving. It's the essence of the new church, uh, the New Testament church. Not only that, not only here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, but it was, a, it was a running theme that went all the way through the book of Acts. A little later on, the prophet named Agabus said, hey guys, watch out, there's going to be a famine in the land. And sure enough, there was a famine in the land. And when the famine hit the land, it was especially harsh in Jerusalem. And it, was, it was especially, it created hardships uh, it created hardships for the church in Jerusalem, perhaps more than any other, in any other region right in there. And so what the Apostle Paul did, he, he did this. He went to all the churches that he, had plant, that he had planted around the Mediterranean Sea. Paul takes these trips, he goes out, he plants churches. He went back to all the churches that he had planted and he took up an offering. And the churches gave to the believers back in Jerusalem because they were suffering hardship. Not only that, but the church in Macedonia, which was the poorest church, those guys were the ones who were most eager to give. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. It, it's, it's the essence. It's the essence. It's the zest. You take the microplane across the church. You scrape a little bit off. You go get it, put it in the DNA test. What you're going to find is you're going to find that the church has historically been, from its very roots, a place where giving is it's just who we are. It's in our DNA. It's our essence. You scratch our skin underneath, and, and when you find the church, you're going to find a place where people are generous and they're giving, and when we get together, even, even when there's 225 of us like there is this morning, even when there's a kind of a, you know, a large group, more than you can fit in your living room, even when we come together like this, it's really not about coming in and taking a donut, spilling some coffee on the floor, and slapping a couple guys on the back, going home and watching some football. It really is about, I need you, you need me, I came here to rock you. Right? Yeah, we should do that, right? Yeah, turn to someone and tell them, I need you. And you need me. I came here to rock you. All right, let's make it more complicated, all right? 
Uh, think about the jerk who's in here who really aggravates you. It's kind of true, huh? All right, Michael, we want you to think about the jerks in here who annoy you. And in and, and that place of, of that guy or that woman who just drives you bonkers, I just want you to think, I, I need that person. <sighs> Dang it, I need them. They need me, and eventually I'm going to have to come here and rock them. Awesome. Let's look at some scripture before we get completely goofy this morning. <clears throat> Man, I felt the joy of the Lord just come in all of a sudden. Wow. Come on, Jesus. Whack them. Um, turn to chapter 14. We're going to read the first five verses this morning. I'll read, and you can follow along in your Bibles or on the amazing black screens. This is what Paul writes. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, what? Something jacked up there? Yeah, something, I'm going to read from my notes. How about that? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him, but he utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He, speaks, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Thanks, Jesus. Let it go deep in our hearts. Father, God, would you just deliver us from more Bible knowledge? God, would you deliver us from more information, and would you cause us to encounter your spirit? And God, would you give us wisdom and revelation in the room this morning? Uh, God, to the degree that this is just going to be an exercise in uh, gaining more information, would you push control, alt, delete? And God, would you allow us to touch the Holy Spirit this morning? Amen. So we're starting here in 14.1, and we're going to continue on with our theme of church is a place to give. And, and one of the great things about what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about some of the tools that are in the toolbox that we can pull out, that we can pull out when we come in to rock somebody. And this is one of the preferred tools of the toolbox this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to at least begin scratching the surface on beginning to minister prophetically to one another. We haven't, we haven't done that in a few years, and we've got so many new faces. I really felt like we need to cover this again. Um, and um, so just uh, the gift of prophecy is such, a, is such a gift to the church, and it's one of the ways that we can um, better become a giver in the church. So let's look at... Uh, Verse 1, and that would be all right. We'll just, uh, we're just going to follow 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We're just going to break it down nice and slow this morning. Verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Uh, one of the first things I'd like to begin with as we look at the scripture this morning is, is this. Um, when we talk about following the way of love here, when we talk about when Paul writes, following the way of love, what he's really meaning is he's talking about the kind of self-sacrificial love that, we do, that we've spent the last two weeks studying on in chapter 13. He's talking, about, he's talking about, when he says, follow the way of love, he's saying, he's saying be the kind of person who is long-suffering. He, he's, saying, he's saying, 
Be long-suffering. Be kind. Don't be envious. Don't be boastful. Don't be proud. Don't be rude or self-seeking. Don't be easily angered. Don't keep records of wrongs. When he says, follow the way of love, that's what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about embodying the kind of love that doesn't keep records of wrongs. That's the one that keeps aggravating me for the past three or four weeks. I just realized I'm a really vindictive person who keeps records of wrongs. I tally them up, and I wait for the, the appropriate time so that I can ambush you with justification, you know? <laughs> and, um, but that's not, that's not what love is. So Paul, as we begin here this morning, Paul's saying, follow the way of love and eagerly desire Spiritual gifts. To follow the way of love means giving ourselves to the kind of lifestyle that we, can, that we can be slow to anger and quick to love, even to the guy next door who's a jerk, you know? Some of us have neighbors who are jerks. and Some of us are annoyed by people in here. And, and that's what it means to follow the way of love. To follow the way of love means this. It means, to ask, it means, that, we live, it means that we live with a heart that, that is asking what would love do? It, it, means that we live, it means that we live with a heart that says, how would love respond? These are, these are the questions that, that, that really give guidance to our life. These are the, these are the train tracks that, that, the li- that our life runs on. What would love do? How would love respond? What would love speak? Where would love have me go? That's what it means to pursue the way of love. We begin to not just try to be a better person, but we begin to, we begin to actually uh, have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and we can have fellowship by, with the Holy Spirit by just asking ourselves the question, what would love do? What would love say? How would love respond? Where would love have me go? It actually brings us into connection with, with the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but Paul says this. He says, and I want you to eagerly desire for spiritual gifts. He says, I want you to hunger for spiritual gifts. And, and this issue of hunger is so huge when it comes to, uh, when it comes to being a, a healthy person in the church. You see, Hunger is, hunger is a sign of, of health. It's a sign of health not only in the spirit, but it's also a sign of health in the natural. If you, if you mothers have a baby, and the baby's three or four weeks old, and the baby suddenly becomes not hungry and doesn't eat for a couple days, how many mothers would become worried? Every mother in the house would be worried. You'd be incredibly worried because what? Because hunger is a sign of health, and it's the same thing in the spirit. Hunger, desire, is a sign of health. If, you're, if, you, if, you're, if you find yourself this morning saying, man, I don't know that I'm a person who's all that hungry. I don't know that I'm a person who has any desire, who has any hunger for spiritual gifts. I would like to suggest to you this morning that it's a spiritual barometer, not just of, not just of the natural life on the outside, but it's also a spiritual barometer on the internal condition of your heart. Yes, the internal internal condition of your heart even this morning you need to ask yourself am I a hungry person am I the kind of person who's excited about what my father's provided for me and so what I want to say is this there's there's streams in the church that say you know what we need to do is that we need to give ourselves to love we need to give ourselves to developing character we need to we need to give ourselves to being like Jesus in character we need to give ourselves to being the kind of people who don't keep record of wrongs like Jesus did we need to be the kind of people who who are long-suffering like Jesus. And so there are certain streams that say we need to give ourselves to character, but they, don't, but they, don't, they fail to acknowledge that we need to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And what I would like to say is you can't divide the two. They're the same coin with two sides. It's two sides of the same coin. It's not just follow the way of love. It's not just trying to embody Jesus' character. It's not, allowing, it's not just allowing the Holy Spirit to transform my character, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit... To, to take up residence in my heart to the point that my appetites and my desires change to those of God himself. 
We can't be the kind of person who says, God, I love you, I want your character, I want to be like you, I want to respond like you, but I don't want your gifts. I mean, like, how many fathers would be excited if their children treated them that way? Dad, I'm, I love you, Dad, you're so smart. Grant, you know, Dad, I love you, you're so smart, I, I want to be like you, but keep your crap, you know? And so I would like to suggest this morning that one of the ways that we, that we follow the, la- the way of love, one of the ways that we pursue love in our life is to pursue spiritual gifts with hunger. One of the ways that we, one of the ways that we pr- pursue character even is to pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. The power of God, the power of God is in his ability to love weak and disastrous people. And uh, his love leads him to action. You see, Jesus, when Jesus showed up on the scene, if he saw a blind guy or a deaf guy, Jesus never said, hey, Peter, look at that blind guy. Yeah, Jesus, what about that blind guy? I feel sorry for that blind guy. Yeah, me too, Jesus. It's awful. Let's get out of here. That was never the Lord's heart. The Lord would run into somebody, and it was his compassion, and it was his love that drew him into action, and his action was always a power encounter. See, it, it was the love of God that transformed and transformed people through power encounters. So, so to pursue the way of love and to pursue spiritual gifts, they are quite naturally related to one another. And if we're really pursuing love, we will pers- be pursuing, we will be pursuing gifts as well. Along those lines, I want you to consider this. First John chapter four verse eight says this: Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And um, that, that little scripture has been rocking my world for a little bit um, because it's the simplest description of who God is. When we say that God is love, we're not, we're not just talking about his nature. God's nature is not just love. It's the essence of who he is. God's not just, God's not just the guy who exists on some throne somewhere that we can't really see. He's not just some guy who exists who acts lovingly. No, he is love. It's not, just, it's not just the component of his character. It's not just a component of his nature. It's actually the substance of who he is. And, it was, and it's this love. It's this love who sits enthroned in heaven, who sent his son for you and I. I love what it says. It says in Romans chapter 5, at just the right time, you know, God demonstrates his love for us in this that Christ Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. It's, it's this thing, it's John 3, 16. It's, that, it's the most famous scripture in, in, in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So it's, it's that love sits enthroned in heaven, and it's love that motivates him to give his son. And when his son shows up, it's a power encounter. Like you can't flip two scriptures in the Bible. You can't flip two pages in the Gospels without seeing Jesus rock somebody's world and change them forever. So, so are we seeing this, that it's actually the love of God that is, that is the driving force behind the power of God. And so we can't really divide a conversation between love and power. We can't really divide a conversation between pursuing love and pursuing gifts. We can't really divide that conversation. It's illegal.
And then there in verse 1, at the very end, Paul says this. He says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. And before we get into that, I want to I say this, give you a little background. When Paul is writing this, we sometimes lose sight of it, but Paul's writing to a local church. Okay, so when Paul is writing, the whole book is to, a, is, to the, is to the local church in the city of Corinth, which would have been lots and lots of little house churches, and they would have had a city church identity, and so they would have taken this letter, and they would have read it at one house church, they would have passed it to another, and then those guys would read it at their house church, and it would, just, it would have bounced around like that. So it's important that we keep this in mind because of this. When Paul is saying, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and especially the gift of prophecy, what he's saying is, contextually at least he's saying when you get together at church prophecy is really good that's one of the things that he's saying here he's saying he's saying because of the contextual nature of of who's listening and and the gathering that they would have been in what he's saying is there's something about the gathering at church of all the spiritual gifts all the spiritual gifts all the ones that are listed in 12 everything that's in ephesians 4 everything that's in romans 12 everything that's not on the list but we've kind of seen anyway because none of those lists are exhaustive they're just they're just suggestions for what the holy spirit's already doing paul's saying when you get together there's something about all those gifts that are they're all good but there's some that work especially good together and one of them that works really great when you get together is the gift of prophecy and uh, have some of us experienced that um yeah i'm telling you if you've hung around here very long you'll you'll experience that hopefully um i'll tell you guys a story Joe and I, this is years ago, it was me and Joe and uh, Josh and my sister, uh, four friends, and this is back when the vineyard is barely a vineyard. This is back when we're meeting in like 800 square feet or something. I mean, it was tiny. (coughs) We had gone to this conference down in Nashville, and there was a prophetic guy named Larry Randolph there, and we're sitting kind of in the back, kind of off to the right, as best I remember. Am I right, Joe? Kind of like in the back to the right. And this guy's just kind of giving words, you know, and... I am blown away. I am absolutely blown away. I'm sitting there. It's one of my first encounters with a guy who has a real prophetic gift. He's just rocking people in the crowd. Well, um, at the time, Joe had never been around anything like this. I hadn't either, but my heart was maybe a little more open. And Joe is, is laughing, and, he, and he's telling Josh, he's like, man, this, this guy is full of it, Josh. This is such a scam. And he begins to laugh, kind of like that. But it's kind of a big room, so it doesn't matter, because we're kind of in the back off to the right. Well, anyway, this prophetic guy, he just kind of stops, and all of a sudden he says, hey, you four right there, you know, and he kind of points us out. It's, I remember it was, it was my sister, and it was me, and then Josh, and then Joe. We were sitting like that. And he says, yeah, you four. And he said, I want you to stand up. And so we stood up. Now, we'd never been around like anything like this, and we'd just begun doing church at the vineyard. And he says, yeah, you're a band. Now, three of us had just kind of started playing music, kind of, at the vineyard, kind of, okay? He goes, yeah, you guys are a band. And, um, and, I, and I'm like, this is so crazy. I can't believe he knows we're musicians. And he's like, and then he's like, yeah, you're the tall one. He's talking to me. He's like, yeah, you play guitar and your sister sings and just goes down the road. And he's just reading our mail right in front of everyone. He goes, yeah, I want you all to come up. Now, Joe is, Joe's not a musician at this time, okay? Doesn't play anything. On the way up, Joe is like, this is bonkers. This is, I hear him talking to Josh. He says, this is insane, okay? Now, now this guy had ministered to some people, and while I was ministering to him, like, Holy Ghost laughter kind of broke out. And if you've never been around that, it's just when people just laugh like they're absolutely drunk for apparently no good reason. And if you've not experienced it, I just highly suggest it. 
Um, I've just found people who are, who are happy in the Holy Ghost, they're just better like on Monday, you know? <laughs> and so he says, I want you guys to come on up front. So we come up front and we get in front of him. And he just begins to minister to us, and he just, he's like, yeah, you guys are a band. You're musicians. You're going to write songs. You're going to do this. And, and, he's, and then he looks at Joe, and he goes, Joe, you're a drummer. Da, 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 da. Now, look, Joe didn't play anything then, okay? And, and on the way up, Joe had even specifically said, he says, I will not laugh. He had said to himself, I will not laugh. He says to Joe, Joe, you're a drummer, and he puts his hand on Joe, and Joe begins to vibrate like this and laugh hysterically. For a long time, I can't remember how long, but I'm going to say for 20 minutes, hysterically. It's a good day. But it's set that what, what I want to say is this. There's something about when the prophetic spirit, when the prophetic ministry shows up at church, it can change somebody's destiny for the rest of their life. You know, Joe's going to do a lot of things in his life, but one of the things he's going to do is he's going to minister in Jesus' house as a worshiping drummer for the rest of his life. And that got set into motion that day. Pastor Ray and I were talking about it this week, and just even pastorally, one of the things about the prophetic ministry is it points out to pastors and leaders how we should care for people, okay? Now, that, that has implications for me and maybe Hannah and, and Andrew and Pastor Ray and Dr. Ray and some of the elders here, but it also has implications for everyone else who's sitting in the room, because when the Lord shows up and speaks a word that seems incongruent to everyone else in the room... What you need to understand is this, that the Lord has just highlighted his opinion and his preference for the way that person will live the rest of their life. And it's not just up to that person to see it's happen. It's up to the community to get behind it and push it toward that direction. You want to know why we don't see more prophetic, uh, prophetic revelation come to pass quickly? It's because there's lack of community effort pushing on it. So here's the deal. Prophetic words are invitations. They're invitations into God's opinion and preference and heart. We could go there longer. I'll tell you another story. Um, just some of why, the, of why uh, prophecy and the prophetic ministry is just so valuable in the church. Um, right around this same time, uh, my father-in-law we, and I, we took a trip and we went to Morningstar and I never had like really prophetic ministry. And, and at Morningstar they have these really strange booths and at, at the time they were in this completely other facility and it was really strange you come into a you come into a room and they literally had like little little booths like little office cubicles set up all around the auditorium okay so you get a number and you go into one and when you get in there there's three people that don't know you and and they don't want to know you either they, all they want is your name and you sit down and then they just pray and they just prophesy over you for about seven or eight minutes okay so I'd never been anything like this but I thought this will be cool I'll go in I was maybe I don't know, I can't remember. Maybe 18, maybe 17, 18. At the time, um, I, was playing in a, uh, I was playing in a really awesome rock band in high school. <laughs> I, was, I was the drummer for Georgie's Boat, and Jeremy was the bass player. And, um, and I, and I, lo- I really love the Lord. And... Um, but the whole time I'm, I, this is, I'm going to tell you all this because it makes more sense. But the whole time that I'm in, in the band Georgie's Boat, I'm the drummer. And I love to drum. I love it. It was so fun. But the entire time I'm sitting behind those drums, in my heart, I'm, I'm going, I need a guitar and I need to sing. That was in my heart. And I never said it to a word. Never even told my girlfriend. Never, never told anyone. Never told Heather. Never told anyone. 
And so I go into this prophetic booth at Morningstar, and I sit down, and it's two really old ladies. It's two really old ladies and this little kid. And the oldest old lady. I don't know, it's like my granny or something. The oldest old lady, as soon as I sit down, she says, you know, hey, what's your name? I said, my name is Adam. And she says, Adam, you're a musician in the house of the Lord, and you're a guitar player, and you're called to live your life as a worshiper, and you're going to write songs, and the Lord's going to... And, and I'm telling you, I got something, something, my heart got revealed to me, and it hit me so heavy that I fell out of the chair, and I was on the... And I'm, I'm not the kind of person, you know, I'm like, try to keep it together a little bit. But I was, out of the, I was out of that comfortable chair, and I was laying there on the floor, and I was laying in the floor because a woman, an old lady who never seen me in my entire life, just spoke the secret of my heart that I was actually too afraid to tell anyone else. You know, that was a good day. You know, it sets things into motion. I didn't know how to play guitar, but that prophetic word is part of what gave me the desire. It's part of what allowed me to grind through it when I didn't know how to play, and I was playing poorly, and my fingers hurt, and, and, and I was frustrated and I couldn't keep time and I couldn't sing to the notes and I would go back to that prophetic word and I would say yeah but I'm, a, I'm supposed to be a musician in the house of the Lord it's supposed to be my lifelong calling and so I would grind and I would practice and I would get it till it was right you know this is why the prophetic ministry is so important when we come together it's, and prophetic encouragement is not coming up and saying well Damon that's a really great shirt you know it's a fantastic shirt, by the way. I could never wear it, but it's fantastic. <laughs> See, prophetic encouragement isn't just, isn't, uh, you know, oh, Heather, you're lovely. Damon, that's a great shirt. Kevin, I, I like the way you sing. It, it's not that. Prophetic encouragement is, it's the secrets of your heart being revealed. It's, it's, it's the thing that you can't even see. I'll tell you another story. Because sometimes stories are the best, right? Some of you guys know John Mark McMillan. He's been just a huge friend of this house. And just, you know, in freak accidents, somehow he and I have become good friends. And um, last year, I'm, no, it was a year and a half ago, we're at the baseball field. I'm at a, I'm at a little t-ball practice with River. It was on a hot Sunday afternoon. And uh, I get a call from John Mark, so I pick it up. Hey, J.M., what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just had to call you. I'm like, why do you have to call me? He says, well, I got a word for you. I said, really? This will be awesome. He says, yeah, I got a word for you. He said, Adam, the music that happens in Campbellsville, he said, I, 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 the Lord woke me up this morning and he told me this. He said, the music that happens in Campbellsville, he said, Adam, the community that's growing there, it's so important. He says, if you guys will prefer one another, he says, the music that you guys write is going to leave Campbellsville, it's going to go to Nashville, then it's going to go to Atlanta, then it's going to go to the nation's. Now, at the time, it hit me, but it's one of those things that hit me, and I go, that's awesome, but I don't believe it. You know, I didn't tell him that, but on the inside, that's what I'm thinking. Do you know what I'm saying? Any of you ever had words like that, somebody prophesies to you, you go, that's awesome, it kind of lights something in my heart a little bit, but at the same time, my brain just goes, reject. It's like that self-editing thing. Don't believe it. I'm like, well, if it happens, it's cool, whatever. Um, a year and a half later, not all of that's happened, but things have begun to happen because the Vineyard Music Group, Vineyard USA, has picked up two of the songs that were written here. And this is just so strange. This is just the strangest thing ever. We've recorded the songs in Nashville, and we recorded the songs in Atlanta, and now they're going to go to the States. 
And in fact, Ken and I just went down to a studio in Atlanta to, to recut some of the vocal tracks and, and stuff. And, and the producer who picked the songs up and put them on the album that's going to be a national album is in Atlanta. No, John Mark didn't know that. He just, he, the Lord just said, I like the guys in Campbellsville, and what happens there is going to go from Campbellsville to Nashville to Atlanta and to the nations. We haven't quite made it to the nations yet. We've just made it to maybe the nation, you know? But it puts something in my heart. It makes me want to grind, you know? It makes me want to bear down and, 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 and stay for it. So what is it that's super important? What is, what is one of the gifts that's so important? What, what is one of the gifts that's, that's so foundational to building a community where we all come to serve one another? It's the gift of prophecy, and that's the way it works. It, 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 it will lay open the secrets of your heart. It will, it will encourage you. It will, it will give definition to your future. And I'd also like to say this just for some of you who are in the room who've maybe had some prophetic words spoken over you. Usually, usually the words that you get when you, th some of the first words you get, some of the, the, the very first words that anyone ever prophesies over you, those are usually the most foundational for you, and they'll end up being the things that most define your life for the rest of your life. So just go back and think, well, what are some of those words back in the early days? That's probably the, the guidelines and the rails that are giving some shape and some definition to your life. So follow away the love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially desire this, the gift of prophecy. Why? Because it just, it shapes lives. It, it, takes, it takes people who don't play music and it makes them drummers. It, it, you know, it takes the secrets of your heart that you don't tell anyone, it puts them on display and it, it, it allows you to grind through the tough times. That's why. Before we go to, go to verse 2, um, I also want to say that, that some of us in the room might be thinking, well, man, I, that's awesome, Adam. Those stories are pretty cool, but, you know, the Lord's not going to use me in that kind of ministry. You know, I'm just, I'm not gifted there. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I, I can't hear the Lord. I can't, I can't speak that kind of stuff. And here's what I want to tell you. That's hogwash. It's hogwash for this reason, because you were made to know God. Like, above and beyond any other thing, above and beyond anything that you think you were maybe put on this planet to do or to say or to go, you were made to know God. There's something about the way human beings are constructed, body, soul, and spirit. There's something about the way we're wired. We are wired to know God, okay? But it actually gets better than that. You were made to hear God. You were made to hear God. You were perfectly constructed. You, you, have, you have ears on your head. You have eyes in your sockets. You, you have a heart that's emotional. You have a brain that remembers things. And you were perfectly woven and constructed both to know God and to have a relationship with Him. And you can't barely have a relationship with something you can't hear. There's something about, there's, you were perfectly constructed and made to have a lifelong, ongoing conversation with the great I Am who sits on a throne and elders fall down in front of Him all the time. I mean, you were made to know Him. It may feel like He's a billion miles away. Sometimes it might even feel like that God is just a concept or an idea. And all of that's baloney because you were made to know God. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, my sheep know my voice. 
Like anybody in the room who's met the Lord, you've heard him speak to you at least one time. You were perfectly constructed to know God. Now let's take it one step deeper. Adam was the first, was the first man that God put on the planet. God makes the planet. He makes the waters. He makes the seas. He makes the sky. He makes all the other planets. He makes the stars and the heavens. And after he's done with that, he makes all the animals. He says, you know what? Let's make a man. He forms man out of the dust. He, bro- he blows the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. Adam is a living being. And so it's Adam and it's God. And they're in the garden, okay? Everybody got this. Adam, God, garden, animals. It's perfect. Sin has not yet infected the human race. And it's, it's absolute perfection. And up to this point, God has been saying what about his creation? It's good. It's all good, baby. That's what he's been saying. He says, the oceans, those are good. I, I'm, I'm loving my skies. I'm, I, man, those lions out on the plains, I'm totally in love with that idea. I can't even believe I did that. That's what he's saying. He makes Adam, and he's, in, he's into Adam. He's into that. He's like, this is pretty all right. I like it. But after a little while, what does God say? He says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I want you to understand, this is before sin. This is before, this is before the serpent has, has entertained or deceived anyone. God says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going down a bunny trail here, but I think this is an important one. What's the deal? God goes ahead and he puts Adam to sleep, takes the rib out, makes woman. Now God looks at him and says, that's good. What's the deal? You were made to know God. You were made to hear God. And I want to tell you something. There's, a, there's part of the mystery of knowing and hearing God that can only be found in community as we do it together. Like, you can't do it completely on your own. It's one of the foundational revelations in the Bible. It is not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. He needs a wife. And it's not just about procreating. It's about how do we contain the image of God? Because it says God made them in his image. See, the image of God isn't fully housed in a man or a woman. It's, it's, it's housed when we come together. And it, there's something about knowing God. There's something about, there's something about hearing his voice. There's something about sharing life together. There's something about sharing life together in community that makes knowing God and hearing his voice a possibility when other times it's not. That's really a good word. I may not even get anything else. Holy smokes, what am I talking about? <clears throat> so you were made to know God. You might feel like this morning, man, I don't know if I can do any of this stuff. I'm not the kind of person who's ever going to you know, change somebody's life with a prophetic word. Yeah, you are, because you're the kind of person who is created in the image of God, and you were created to know God, you were made just perfectly to hear him. And he speaks to everybody in all kinds of ways. Let me tell you something about the voice of the Lord. Um, Peter says that the Bible is the more sure word of prophecy. You can bank on it. The scripture is one of the best places to find the Lord. But as you, as you get to know the Lord, as he becomes more and more personal to you, he will speak to you through scriptures. And just like Dr. Ray, he'll speak to you in dreams. He'll speak to you through the community. He'll speak to you. You'll get prophetic words from people. It'll just be the Lord talking to you through. Like, Bubba and Kendall are like my prophetic people. Like, when stuff's going on, I, I, like, if I don't know what's going on, I can just call Bubba and Kendall and get a word because they just, they just know what's going on in my life somehow. Like, in the spirit. Bubba's really connected to, to me in the spirit somehow. It's so strange. And it's that community thing. It's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going to put Adam with Bubba. And, it's, and he's done it, you know? And, it's, and he's done it. He's made this thing happen. Well, anyway, uh, about the voice of the Lord. 
there's something about the Lord. He, he becomes, he actually gets more and more personal. The longer you know the Lord, the more and more personal he'll become. I'll tell you this really strange story about, about, about you being the kind of person who's created to know the Lord and you're created to hear his voice. So um, about three years ago, my wife and I were wanting to build a house. And so we trying to buy some land and I found seven acres that joined my father-in-law's property. And so <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to be able to purchase that property. And so I'm out there and I'm out there by myself. And I've got, I've got a lawnmower, and for whatever reason, I just feel like I want to mow my property. I don't know. It just feels like that's what you do. You own it, you mow it. So I'm out there, and I'm just I'm, I'm bush, bushwhacking this stuff. And, and um, while I'm out there riding this mower, this giant hawk just flies over, over me. You know, it's got its big white belly and its red tail. I mean, we're talking maybe one of the biggest hawks I've ever seen in my entire life. It was awesome. I'm like, man, that's cool. So I'm, I'm finished mowing my grass. I come out a few days later, and I just, you know how it is. Some of you guys have done this. You get something new, and you just want to be there. Or, or new. So I'm out there in my new property. We don't even have house plans or anything, but I just go out there just to be out there. I'm like, man, I, I own this. This is mine, and I will kill anyone who comes on it. I mean, it's like. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm not, I, I remember the afternoon perfectly. It was, in, it was like in October. And I'm out there just kind of sitting around on the grassy hill, and that hawk comes back out. Man, this is awesome. I'm just, you know, hey, that kind of a thing. And it got to be that any time I was out on my property, this hawk would come out and he would fly around me, do a big circle, and he'd just take off. Then it got even worse. It would be anywhere I go, I would see a hawk. It'd be fly, there'd be this hawk. I, I was even taking trips. I, I remember I would take trips. I would go from here to Louisville, and on the way to Louisville, I'd see a hawk going up, and then on the way home, I'd see another hawk. I mean, there's a lot of birds, and I realize there are a lot of hawks, but I, mean, I was seeing them literally every day. Anybody in the room ever see hawks every day? Yeah. I'm seeing hawks. It's like, I'm like beast man. I mean, they're coming to me. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm slow. So after two months of this phenomenon of seeing hawks almost every day, I begin to think, huh, I think the Lord's trying to talk to me. So I see a hawk one day, and I just, I just, you know, I'm driving, and I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Are you saying something to me in these hawks? And there's this little hawk, and he's flying out, you know, I'm, I'm driving, and he's, I can see him up here. And as soon as I ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? He says, I see you. I got, I got killed. I was just like, oh. Oh, man. I felt the, just the affection of God come into, come into the car with me. Just, just the, just the, I mean, like, it was like, the Holy Spirit just came into the room with me. Just the voice of the Lord. And then it got worse. Then I didn't see one hawk. I'd go out to my property, and I'd see three hawks. I got to be where everywhere I was going, I was seeing three. Now, I'm telling you, I've lived in Kentucky my whole life. I've killed animals. I've tried to skin them, but <laughs> my stomach <laughs> won't let me do it. But I've been in the woods, and I have never in my life seen three hawks together. I would go out to my property and I would see three hawks running around. I said, at this time, I'm, I'm with it. I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? He says, we see you. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's the point? The point is this. You were made to hear God. And it, it, the longer you know God, the more personal, the more relational it becomes. And, and, and so now, anytime we go on a ministry trip, anytime we go on a ministry trip, number one, I expect to see a hawk. 
Number two, if I see a hawk, I know it's going to be good that the Lord's with us. Kevin knows this. We were going down to do uh, worship at the Anchor Fellowship in Nashville. We hadn't got, I mean, we hadn't even hit Greensburg and we see a hawk. By the time, by the time we get on 65, we've seen two or three. I mean, I don't even know how many we saw on the way down. They're everywhere. What's the point? The, God's saying to me, I see you. I'm with you. And, and it may feel like, you know, you may feel like the kind of person who says, well, I can't, I can't do this stuff. I'm not going to be the kind of person who, you know, hears the Lord and prophesies over someone and changes their life. I, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's, who's you know, going to be that gifted or that useful in the church. I just want to tell you, that's baloney and it's hogwash. You were made to know God. You were perfectly formed. You were perfectly constructed to hear his voice and to know him. You were perfectly made and constructed to know his voice in the scripture. You were perfectly made to know and hear his voice just in daily living. You were made to know him. And, and, and I want to also say, there's just something about knowing him and knowing his voice when we come together. It's not just a solo event. It's, it's, a, it's a together event. Amen? Well, I didn't get halfway. For, I didn't go anywhere today. You can close your Bible. I don't <laughs> even know what we talked about. If you're on the ministry team this morning, why don't you come on up? Because we want to do the stuff. We don't, we don't want to be the kind of people who train ourselves into deception by by hearing the word, but we want to do the word. Thank you, Hannah. You're first. You got the microphone. Go, Hannah. Um, what's your name here in the in the chorus boy? Uh huh. Deanna. All right, Deanna, um, I just felt like for you, I heard the Lord say, the kindness of the Lord leads people to repentance, and he's put kindness in your heart, and you're the kind of person that's going to lead people to the heart of the Lord, and um, he's made you for that, and he's put that in you, and it's going to be more. And I also saw a picture of a roller skate, and um, and I feel like you would just basically just be leading people to the heart of the Lord and to repentance and things like that, so that's for you. And Grant, I've got a word for you this morning. Um, first of all, the Lord's going to bring you into a new season of revelation, like new revelation, things about the Lord that have always been true, but it'll be new to you. And also, the Lord wants you to know that um, he's gifted you in a lot of ways. You're a very gifted man. Um, but there are gifts that, that are supposed to be part of your destiny that you feel like you're not moving in right now, and he wants you to know that you will. And... Um, you feel like you're sad maybe in your heart that you aren't moving in that right now and those gifts and that it's your destiny. It doesn't make sense that you're not moving in it, but you will. So. Ready? Um, sir, uh, in the yellow shirt, um, with what's your name? David. David? Oh, okay. I see you, David. You can't hide from me. Man, you, you've got the shield of faith, man. Like, like the Lord's given you, like, this hard exterior in the sense of, like, the normal stuff that would bother other people is not going to bother you. But at the same time, I see that you have, like, a real tenderness about you in the sense that, like, you're just, you can connect with people in ways that, like, even other people can't. Like, you just have, like, just that. It's like a father's heart, sort of. So I just uh, speak that. Um um, in the, it's a, 
I'm, I'm not sure. What, is it? Is it like a peach color shirt? <laughs> that's that's salmon. <laughs> salmon. Not peach. Salmon. I man, I should know your name. That's Brian. Brian. Okay. Man, um, I just see like you're just gonna walk in just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just Come see on. that you're just gonna be like live filled with His presence. And so I just speak that over you right now, Lord. We just ask that your presence would fall on him. God, I ask that he would walk. And I even see you having a ministry that you're going to pray for people and they're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Even people that are in great darkness, like that don't even know the Lord, you're going to pray for them. They're going to feel the presence of the Lord and like it's going to be what leads them to salvation. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, and that's pink. Um, a little bit above, uh, um, what's your name, ma'am? Oh, 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 no, 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 I'm sorry, not you. Uh, behind you. So, I, I mean, I'll, no, I'll get... <laughs> hey, Alicia, we're going we're gonna to prophesy to you next, I'm so, okay? I'm sorry. There we go. What's your name? Jared, okay. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> you, you I, I just feel like you just have, like, a real, like, tender sweetness about you. That, like, I mean, like, you're real inviting to people you're real hospitable i feel like you can bring people into your home and they feel incredibly welcomed and i just feel like the lord's using that just to even just expand the place of your community and the people that are really close to you are the ones that he's given to you you're going to be able to give it to them so thanks jesus all right hey we're we're gonna alicia there you go i'm sorry you step in it no 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 no, right here come on (laughs) okay all right um alicia okay all right, um, <laughs> Alicia, I just see, I see the song of the Lord on you, and um, I also see, uh, I, I see that your heart is really, there's, we, we have a saying around here, like a John at his breast, Mary at his feet, and I just, I just see that you're a Mary at his feet kind of person, and um, I feel like that the Lord's going to promote you in that spot. Um, I, feel like, I feel like one of the things that's going to be uh, instrumental for your life is, uh, is just the time that you spend at Jesus' feet. And I think, I really feel like that it's going to be instrumental for promotion in your life. Uh, he's going to promote you from a place of, of being next to him. I, I also feel like, um, this is so strange, I feel like there is no competition in you. And uh, I, I feel like you, you are the kind of person who is willing to not get credit so that other per- people can be blessed or, or can go further. I feel like there's just no competition in you. Um, I don't even know what that's about. I just heard that. I just feel like there's no competition in you, and the Lord is going to honor that because he, keep, he keeps accounts, and he knows who's who and what's what. And, uh, yeah. Cliff, do you have anything? Yeah, um, just pretty much what he said. You're going to walk in the glory. You're going you're gonna to know the Father. There you go, Cliff. Good one. I like it. Yeah, and I see you as being like a dancer, a dancer type of person that is just totally unburdened and able to, to just be in, in front of the Lord and just do that. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Um, you, beside uh, Andrea's brother, um, yeah, I just heard the Lord say, Field of Dreams. And uh, you got anything else on that? No, it's you, baby. <laughs> if the Lord's going to give you more vision. Mm. More vision. Thanks, Jesus. And he's going to fill your cup up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just say in the name of Jesus, this is not, 
This is not a season of emptiness, and this is not a season of desert, and this is not a season of lack. But this, is, this is a time to be filled, and we just say that the Lord's going to fill your cup all the way up. Uh, we, we say that, that you've been a person who's refreshed others, and the Lord is going to refresh you. And uh, I just see the Lord, actually, uh, I see a hole in your cup at the bottom, and I, feel, I, I just saw the Lord. As soon as Joe said that, I saw the Lord fill the, cu- fill the hole, and then he's going to fill the cup. And so we just say that this fall is a season of revelation and a season of contact with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and it's a harvest time. I, I saw you on a tractor, and you were just, you are doing harvest work. Thanks, that's good. Um, Cliff, I saw you scale a wall, and it was like an unscalable wall, and you scaled it. You got to the top, and you went over to the side. Love it. And I've got a couple healing oh. words of knowledge. Healing words. Um, I, I think somebody might have uh, blood pressure problems and, like, heart problems. And I think the Lord wants to touch that. BP. BP here. Anybody um, else have blood pressure and heart issues? In the room. Right. Also, I, I think that somebody might have pain in like their left shoulder, left shoulder blade, and it probably runs all the way down your back. Okay. Got a couple there, three. And uh, and I've I've had allergy problems, and it's awful. So if you have allergy problems, I'll pray for you. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> All right, uh, you in the blue shirt, blonde hair, yes, you. Um, it's no coincidence you're here today. Um, that's what the Lord said. And you have a prophetic gifting on your life, and you also have a gift of joy. You're going to be able to impart it to people, just like it, it's, it's a uh, fruit of the Spirit, but the Lord's given it to you as a gift. And, and I, I think people are going to come to you in times of sorrow and pain, and you're going to be able to, A, encourage them, through, through the prophetic, and your bee going to be able to just impart joy. So, mm, thanks, Jesus. There you go. Thanks, Jesus. Peter, this is my lovely. Isn't she lovely? <laughs> um, I was out on a limb here. I um, heard a couple names. So, yeah. um, is there anyone here named Blake? Do we Got have a Blake, Blake in, the, in house. the house? Do we have a Blake? Okay, no Blake. Do we have a Carrie? It's funny, I get names there. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. We do have a carry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, where, let me find your word. Okay. Um, I saw Carrie, whoever Carrie is, walking through the street, playing a flute, leading people out of darkness into light, was, was the picture. Thanks, Lord. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lord... Reveal that and um, show you what to do with that. My second thing is um, I saw a jar full of marbles. And I felt like this was for several people. But I I saw a jar full of marbles and people looking at the jar, um, just baffled, trying to figure out how many are in it. And I felt like the Lord said, um, this is people trying to, you know, look at their life and say, you know, "What's, what's in it for me and trying to figure it out. But the Lord doesn't just know approximately how marble, many marbles are in the jar, but he knows the exact number, and the, um, he's the revealer of mysteries. And so mm-hmm. if you're staring at a jar full of marbles and feel like there's no way you'll ever figure it out, the Lord wants to reveal that mystery. Mm, that's good. That's good. Either. Come on. 
Hi, um, Doug, Michael. Um, I felt like the Lord uh, indicated to me that uh, uh, he's given you something to do, and you've been wondering, Lord, how am I going to do it? And the Lord says to you that um, you will know that he's given it for you to do when you do it. It's like Moses. God, uh, God said to Moses, you're going to deliver my people, and you're going to take them out to worship, and this is how you will know that I've called you is you'll do it. So mm-hmm. the Lord's just giving you the Nike, just do it. Uh, and you will, you'll know it's him after you do it. There's a lot of comfort in that, right? <laughs> I like it, though. Well, why don't we stand up?